Welcome to Make No Bones. I'm Toby Altman. And I'm Emily Barton Altman. Make No Bones is a podcast about poetry and the creative life. Each episode, we ask a poet to read a poem and talk about it. They tell us how they wrote it and explain how it reflects the broader priorities of their work. This week's episode features H. Melt. My name's H. Melt. I am a poet, writer, artist based in Chicago. I use they, them pronouns. H. Melt is a poet, artist, and educator whose work proudly celebrates Chicago's queer and trans communities. Their writing has appeared many places, including In These Times, The Offing, and Them, the first trans literary journal in the United States. They are the author of The Plural, The Blurring, and editor of Subject to Change, Trans Poetry and Conversation. Lambda Literary awarded them the Judith A. Markowitz Award for Emerging LGBTQ Writers in 2017. They've also been named to New City's Lit 50 list, as well as Windy City Times' 30 Under 30. H. Melt co-leads Curiosity at Young Chicago Authors and works at Women and Children First, Chicago's feminist bookstore. They read a poem for us and talked about activism, poetic community, and their new anthology, Subject to Change, Trans Poetry and Conversation. I write a lot about just stories, really simple stories that most people would probably think of as insignificant and not worthy of writing about and really focus on them. Um, I think it's just easiest for me to write about my own life. Um, I have never been very good at writing fiction or um, writing work that is super imaginative. Um, So I really just pull from, from my own experiences. My earliest thing that I ever really remember writing um, was in like first or second grade and I wrote this um, series of stories called Evil Michelle. There was like a part one and a part two, which was just about my sister. Um, and that's one of my earliest memories of writing something and sharing it with people and writing something about my own life and the people in my life. I had been publishing a lot of zines. Um, I was like involved in the zine community and still am and that was sort of my first foray into publishing and um, putting my work out into the world. Even before I had a chapbook, I had zines. My first sort of official chapbook came out on New School Poetics, which was a chapbook press supported by young Chicago authors and Louder Than a Bomb. Uh, Kevin Koval was the editor, and that book was Survival in the Second City, and very much was sort of the beginnings of what I consider how I write and what I write about now. Um, It very much looked at what it's like to be a queer and trans person living in Chicago um, through the lens of sort of personal stories. I feel most connected to other Chicago writers, um, to queer and trans writers as well, Um, but I feel like my writing most closely mirrors other fellow Chicago poets, um, specifically poets who are connected to young Chicago authors um, and who sort of grew up performing, not just writing their work, but also performing it publicly and doing so in an effort to, to build community. I don't think all poets are activists. <laughs> Many of them are not. I think most of the poets, however, that I'm interested in and that I'm in community with are. You know, I'm just drawn to people and to work that is specifically 
trying to make the world a better place and a more inclusive place. Definitely not all poets have that aim or goal or know how to do that effectively. I think anthologies are amazing ways to build community and to highlight voices that typically aren't in conversation with each other. And I specifically had read trans anthologies that were so important to me. So Subject to Change is a poetry anthology featuring all trans writers. It features trans writers from across across the country writing in specific, sorry, writing in various styles. Um, It's Joshua Jennifer Espinoza, Christopher Soto, Beza Ozer, Cameron Awkward-Rich, and Kayolande Barrett. And these are all poets who, again, while they write in very different styles and write about different subject matter, live in various places across the country, there was something to me about all of their work that I felt made all of their voices sort of go together. And I think the thing that was most interesting to me and that spoke to me was just they speak like there's no cis people in the room (laughs) like they the way that they write um it's just not you can tell the difference between trans writing that's for cis people and trans writing that's not and I've read so much writing about trans people that's not by trans people and by trans people that's not for trans people I really wanted to make a book that was specifically not only edited by a trans person and featuring all trans writers, but also that was specifically for and about trans people. Now, I think that the book is certainly not just about transness. Um, There's a range of topics in the book, but that was really my first and most important priority. So I do definitely see my work as political. Um, I see the editing of the anthology as incredibly political, Um, And I don't think there's really anything we do that's not. One thing I think that people often misunderstand is that if you're writing political poetry or you're involved in activism, that somehow your craft isn't as strong. Um, And I don't think that's true at all. I think um, you can have a really strong focus on craft and have just a strong focus on on your activism and your community engagement. Um, I do think that those are separate things, but again, they're each crafts, they're each skills, um, they're each important. If you're writing a political poem, a more well-written poem is going to be more effective in reaching people than one that is not as well written. Um, So I think that they're both essential elements um, and certainly complement each other. So while I don't write in traditional forms for the most part, um, most of my poems tend to be free verse, tend to be about a page long. Um, What I do tend to focus on more so is line breaks and the ways that the stanzas are laid out. It's like I'm very obsessed with like 
making sure that the poem looks even and looks good on the page and is read in which the way that I would read it. Like, I want the reader to read the poem with the same sort of line breaks or pauses that I would read it um, if we were in the same room together. And, like, all of these stanzas are all three lines. Um, And there's a way, like, usually I find the ends of my poems are usually, like, the shortest little stanzas. There's a way that everything sort of boils down to a point. The poem itself was pretty easy to write. I mean, it's, I just essentially go through exactly what happened. Um, there's not a whole lot of editing, I think, that I did with this poem. Um, I think the hardest thing was just figuring out what details to put in from, like, oh, what are things that I typically buy at the farmer's market? Cider, curds, peaches. Um, so just figuring out those, those little details. I think the type of world building that I try and do in my work is very just trying to reflect uh, what it's like for me to just move around in the world as like a queer and trans person in Chicago. Um, I think that Chicago has a really rich queer and trans history and really rich specifically history of queer and trans activism. Um, as well as in the present moment. I mean, Chicago has one of the largest trans populations in the country, and we have some of the biggest um, institutions, from Howard Brown, um, as one example, to Windy City Times, to Gerber Hart Library and Archives, right? We have all these sort of queer institutions that have been around for decades and doing really radical, transformative um, social work and healthcare work. And just taking care of people. A Chicago house as well is another one. And so I just try and build that world of both like care um, and history. But also of, you know, some of the moments where of difficulty or of struggle. And I don't think you could build a world with just one or the other. I think it's most effective, right, to, to include like both the realities of of, right, sort of, like, living my life and being a trans person in 2017. Um, but also, like, imagine what what it could be like or what the world that I want to live in could be like, right? Like, what are the things that I want to change? What are the institutions that I want to dismantle but also create? Who are the people who, like, I want there to be there with me and be on my team? Um... And that's something I've been focus- trying to focus on more now as as a writer is just imagining that world and building out that future a little bit and while still writing these like very realistic poems about daily life trying to imagine how how could my life be better um how could people in my life be more supportive um as well as just you know what are things that I've heard from from other queer and trans people in Chicago, what are the things that they need? Um, And trying to to build that world just so people can, can even imagine it. And this is Faggot with Flowers. In the summertime, I walk to the farmer's market on my lunch break from work. 
Most of the vendors are queer, selling tomatoes and peaches, empanadas, cider, and curds. I spy brain flowers, which my mom occasionally bought, though she favored gladiolas. I debate whether or not to buy flowers. They're not food, a bit of a luxury. As I walk back to work, proudly holding my coxcombs, a gray pickup truck blows a stop sign, presses the gas in my path. He cracks the window to yell faggot at me, missing my body. I go home and place my flowers in water on the kitchen table, trying to forget what will die in a few days' time. This episode of Make No Bones was produced and edited by Toby and Emily Altman in Iowa City. The music for this episode is by Toby Altman. Special thanks to Grace and Elliot Taylor for his help with the engineering of this episode. If you like what we do, check out our website, makenobonespodcast.org, for all our episodes. Or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And please consider rating us on iTunes. It really helps. Join us next time for an interview with Megan Kaminsky.